Just as a warning, there is some discussion of eating disorders, relapse, disordered eating, and the management of an eating disorder in this episode. If anything comes up for you, or you know of someone in need of support, call the Butterfly Foundation on 1800 334 673 or access free mental health support via open arms on 1800 011 046. Hi, I'm Beck Rayner and this is the Military Life Podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports, informs and embraces the spouses beside the military members by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. Want to join a bank that just gets Defence Life? Defence Bank is one of Australia's largest customer-owned banks. They have 33 on-base branches across Australia, an award-winning banking app that allows you to do all your banking wherever and whenever you want. And with products and services tailored for ADF members and Defence spouses, you'll wonder why you didn't join sooner. Visit defencebank.com.au today and see how easy your banking can be. Welcome to the podcast, Trish. Hey, Beck. Thanks for having me on. If we can get started, if you could tell us how you met your partner and how long you've been together. We met through mutual friends while we were both in Sydney. So that was about a year and a half ago. When you met, was defence part of the conversation? Did you know that he was in the defence force? How did that come about with you learning about his job and all that that required? It was definitely a very transparent thing. So he was in defence already and I knew about his job from day one. So no surprises there. And what were your thoughts when you found out that he was in the defence force? Did that have any bearing on whether you would go forward with a relationship with someone in defence? Definitely was something that I did think about because friends in defence had shared their experiences with work and moving around and challenges of relationships. So that was definitely in the back of my mind. But yeah, to be honest, I didn't have any expectations, but I also knew that there would be challenges. With those challenges in mind, you were obviously still thinking it's still worth giving it a go. Yeah, definitely um, went into it with like being realistic and, and try to be considerate because I think even like within the first two months, my partner went on a course. It was just about two weeks, but there were definitely things that were different about the relationship even early on. Do you feel like because you communicated with others that were in defence relationships and so you knew that there might be challenges and like you said, in the first couple of months, he was already going away and you were getting a sort of taste of what defence life was like. Did it mean that things within your relationship were fast-tracked as in you kind of had to decide whether this was worth going ahead and pursuing or whether it would just be a casual thing or like did you have to kind of define what you were because of the potential separation so early on? Oh yeah definitely yeah things did move quickly but I think we also had our heads screwed on and we me in particular made decisions about things that people would not feel comfortable with so early on. I think the complications with COVID also added to that. So knowing that, you know, with COVID, it would make things difficult to be apart. Yeah, that definitely fast-tracked things. What happened with fast-tracking things? Did that mean that you were looking at moving in together or did he have a posting coming up where you had to sort of decide what were we going to do? And because of COVID restrictions, a long-distance relationship 
between states and things like that wasn't an easy feat with COVID. One thing that happened that wasn't expected was my partner ended up reposting earlier than expected. He joined Defence late, like he he had a career and then decided to transition to Defence from a civilian career and he's kind of a bit off the usual cycle and found out that he would be reposted earlier than he was expecting. So I had to make a decision very early on about committing to keeping up the relationship, which meant either choosing long distance or moving in together quite early, or at least committing to spending quite a lot of time traveling and visiting him and and staying where he was for long periods of time. How did you work through that? Did you do like a pros and cons list? Like how did you come to your decision? Well, just looking at where I was in life in terms of my own career and personal development, it just seemed like the right time to take a bit of a risk with work because of COVID. There was a lot of flexibility to work from anywhere. So my background is in technology implementation and I was working for a consulting firm in Sydney where I was already, like prior to the lockdowns, I was already working from home a couple of days a week. And yeah, it wasn't that hard to decide to leave Sydney, but the decision to leave Sydney for a relationship was probably the biggest decision. And I really had to think about whether it would be realistic in terms of career and how much would I be able to see my family and friends. I'd lived overseas previously and have spent significant time away from family and friends. So it wasn't a scary idea. It wasn't a scary concept. And I was also interested in living regionally. So yeah, it kind of just felt like the right time for me just individually as a person to go and make this decision. What about your family and friends? What did they think about the decision? And because it was so soon in the relationship, people from the outside looking in might be like, well, it's a huge risk. You're rushing things. Do you even know this person? But from your perspective, you have your own reasons, but the overarching feeling or or reason is that you want to be with this person. For people who really knew me so really close friends and family members they just expected it or not expected it but it wasn't that unusual for me to make a decision like this I had also been like single for many years so I think they knew that I wasn't just kind of like rushing to something without actually thinking about it and without being ready to commit to a relationship quite seriously and also that like I I think I used to live in New Zealand and the move to New Zealand I gave people about three weeks notice like I had to get up and leave in a three-week period so yeah it really wasn't that much of a surprise to people around me. Sounds like you were already practically working remotely you've had experience with moving to new places and starting again so it sounds like you were the perfect pick for a defense partner. (laughs) Yeah yeah, I guess in a way, but I thought I would be prepared. There have definitely been things I wasn't prepared for. 
in saying that, what was it like moving from Sydney to a regional area, even though you mentioned that you wanted to move to a regional area, there's some huge differences. There's positives and negatives. I know that when I moved from Sydney to a regional area, it kind of felt like sort of a weight was lifted and life just sort of slows down because that's just the pace in regional area, which is a welcome relief sometimes when you're coming from the hustle and bustle of Sydney. Yeah, I agree. It was at the time as well with lockdowns still kind of happening here and there. It was, yeah, like I was glad to be away from a big city like Sydney and like I grew up in Sydney and, yeah, I think I just kind of hit a wall and was like I'm ready to get out of here again. But it was definitely a challenge figuring out how to meet people and also meet people outside of defence. Like I like to have my own group of friends and not feel too reliant on partners to make friends. So that was something that I really had to work through. I was connected to other defence partners, but I also tried to get into some hobbies and create some opportunities for myself to meet people and get involved in the community. And then also living in a regional area, there were a lot of really interesting opportunities to explore some areas of interest that I had. So I was quite interested in understanding how food is is produced and growing food. So quite like an agricultural area. So that a lot of opportunities came up there. And I also decided to like I quit my job and started to pursue a path that would get me a bit involved in that. It's been a challenge and there has been a lot of cons in terms of like feeling physically isolated and far from things and not having as many opportunities to to meet people but it has also opened up a lot of doors like you mentioned opportunities that you wouldn't usually have gotten in Sydney but then on the flip side I know I felt in Sydney that you just had this option in the back of your mind that if you weren't liking what you were doing or if there was something that came up that there's mm. there's always stuff happening yeah. and there's always yeah. a, dif- a different twist and turn to take whereas regional those opportunities don't come up so often even though mm. they are different yeah. opportunities yeah 100% yeah it really kind of forced me to come out of my shell a bit in terms of actively pursuing things so I think you're in a city you get used to things just kind of popping up and having a bigger network of people to to find opportunities through but yeah moving somewhere where it's quite a conservative place and people aren't always very like everyone's friendly but the idea of having someone some outsider come in and try to get their way into groups and bring kind of outside ideas. I haven't really met any hostile resistance, but it's just, yeah, definitely feels a bit harder than if you're in a city. Have you thought about how career and defence life will work into the future? It's worked out for you at the moment. It's bringing different opportunities that you wouldn't have been exposed to. But have you thought about how it might work with moving or posting to different locations and finding work that you're interested in and the field that you're wanting to pursue? I've actually done a little bit of experimentation. So as I mentioned last year, I was in a good position to quit my job that I'd moved with. So I'd been with that consulting firm for about three and a half, four years, and it just felt like the right time to leave. 
and then also start pursuing working for myself and looking at how I could use my skills in a different arena and something that I was more interested in as well. So I tried that and it proved to be challenging at the time. I just wasn't confident managing my own workload and having to seek out work and constantly doing business development. So I thought about how I could perhaps get some work in a city and so closest kind of like big city was Canberra. So I looked at an opportunity based in Canberra and was traveling back and forth. So tried that. That didn't work out either. It was really hard to go back and forth. And then also while I was there, I explored some opportunities to further develop an idea that I sprouted last year. So now moving forward, I have a bit more direction, which has been led by the pursuit for something that is actually quite close to me. So rather than trying to mold my lifestyle around my career, I'm thinking about how career can kind of come from how I want to live and how I want to make an impact day to day. So I've decided to start a social enterprise around sustainable food and how consumers can be encouraged to change their habits and pursue more sustainable food habits through communities and engaging with local food systems. So that's something that I can at least move around with and hopefully it's something that will also make a positive social impact. Does it give you more so excitement in future posting possibilities in the fact that's only going to add to that social enterprise because you're going to different locations, you're learning about that topic and the area that you want to explore in the different locations as opposed to staying in the one area and only learning about that area. You're going to be well-rounded in your social enterprise. Yeah, absolutely. So that was something that I had in mind. So if I was to just keep going down the path that I was going, my background in technology and design was very linked to certain locations. So rather than having a job that was flexible and takes you to different places, I felt like to progress, I would really have to try to be in certain places. I didn't really like the idea of that. I mean, like to be honest, even if my partner wasn't in defense, I probably wouldn't want to live like that anyway. Like the idea of being kind of tied to one place feels suffocating. So it is really exciting to think that now I'm doing something that it's important for me to be able to move around and be able to take this concept to different places and explore how it can be applied in different kinds of environments. Having something like your own business, a social enterprise, something that you're passionate about, you're wanting to help change a certain aspect of society or you're wanting to have an impact on an industry in a positive way. It's like having a higher purpose kind of thing and that gives you this energy and feeds you and allows you to pursue your passion and what you're really inspired by. But in saying that, it doesn't always pay the bills and it doesn't always mm-hmm. you know, grow yeah. your super account and give you annual leave and long service leave and all those things. And like you mentioned, the thing that was holding you back from making that decision to move with your partner was that you didn't want to just be moving for 
a relationship or for someone. How do you go about reconciling the whole not doing the standard in air quotes, nine to five, getting that pay packet at the end of the week, having that comfortable super when you retire, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. How How are you feeling about those kind of impacts of being involved with a passion project, but also not having those securities in place? Yeah, that's something that I've definitely struggled with. So when I first explored self-employment and explored the idea of leaving corporate life, it was really scary. Hence, I went back to looking for something full-time, working for someone. I was doing some work for a consulting firm in Canberra. But then it just really hit me that I going through a career crisis really made me open my eyes to the fact that Like I've just outgrown that kind of nine to five corporate life and perhaps it just never really suited me. So yeah, like I just realized that it isn't really worth being unhappy or not necessarily being unhappy. I wouldn't say that my work has ever made me a happy person, but it just didn't feel like I was realizing my full potential. And so that made me sit down and think like, okay, what is more important to me like earning a certain amount of money and having a certain title or is it more important to leave a certain footprint on this earth and make an impact through what I do most of the day so thinking about things that way made me think okay how much do I actually need to be earning to be happy to exist and to be able to save a bit and got real about what is realistic and then I looked at ways that I could still have money coming in and also pursue this passion project and make that something that would eventually also pay the bills. So I thought about like, what am I good at and what can I offer to businesses locally being in a regional area? It's an interesting skill set and I won't be able to find a business that can just give me a job that translates to the kinds of jobs that I was working in in Sydney, but I looked around and found a business advisory group that helps small to medium-sized regional businesses. And now I'm doing some work through them and also doing a little bit of my own consulting. And that's kind of keeping things going while I build up the social enterprise side of things tailoring your perfect career yeah and I think especially with women I I understand that it happens a bit more with women but that imposter syndrome you've got to really work past that to find that confidence to be like okay how I have a lot to offer and it's just about packaging it up in a way that people understand and will see the value of your skills sometimes it's really hard to communicate that So I also found it helpful to connect with a career coach about this. They helped me understand how to work past some of those issues with being able to understand my own skills and strengths and being able to communicate that to people. And did you access the career coach through the Partner Employment Assistance Program through Defence? No, no, actually, I um, hadn't really thought of doing that. I pay for it, but now in retrospect, I wish I had taken advantage of some of those resources available. Yeah, definitely. And just off topic, you can still make use of it for further career coaching and stuff like that. So definitely get onto it. Like it's extra $1,500 that you can use for career progression, which is always a help. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. 
Nine out of 10 defense spouses wish they found out about defense banks sooner. Okay, I might have just made that up and they do sponsor my podcast, but I've checked them out and I think they're worth a look just for their banking app alone. It's award-winning and currently has a rating of 4.8 out of 5 in both the app and Google Play Store. It does everything a big bank app does with cool features like fast same-day payments, card alerts and controls, pin change functionality, savings roundup, spend tracker, the list goes on. Oh, and if you really want to go to a defence bank branch, you can. There are 33 on-base branches across Australia. And with many of their branch staff a defence spouse or partner, you'll be talking to someone who just gets it. Banking as a defence spouse doesn't have to be hard. For more info, visit defencebank.com.au. You're posted in a regional area at the moment. So whereabouts are you posted and what's the plans with future postings? Well, my partner is on a course at the moment. So... I'm in Wagga and he's in Victoria. So yeah, so we're still kind of apart. When he finishes his course, we'll be off to Townsville. How did you process the fact that you've moved to Wagga and then he's gone away on a course to another state kind of thing? It wasn't a surprise, but really motivated me to have things to be busy with and have things that I felt were projects for me to develop and move forward with because it's very hard to be away from family, friends and your partner and very easy to kind of just sit around and and mope if you don't have something that you feel you need to be on top of. So yeah, just made sure that like last year while my partner was around that we kind of had things to look forward to and on a personal level and then also with career and hobbies and that kind of thing. Just made sure that we had our own things that we were working on and working towards as well as things that we were looking forward to together. Yeah, so you can obviously keep those shared goals and then have your own individual projects that maybe you wouldn't focus on so much if the other was home and you fall into the pattern of doing things together and putting things that you might want to focus on aside. Yeah, especially when you know that your partner's going to be away, you tend to be like, okay, we've got to spend heaps of time together and do things together. But we've always been pretty good at setting some boundaries and and drawing the line with having our own things and our own time. So I used to being apart, knowing that it will inevitably happen. You've shared that you have an eating disorder. Can you tell us about what having an eating disorder means and maybe about a, a little bit of the background of that? Yeah, I was diagnosed with bulimia a couple of years ago. So I was back in Sydney and that was a result of many, many, many years of dieting and over-exercising. So I grew up dancing and then quit dancing to pursue a normal pathway of going to uni and getting a job and that kind of typical path. But yeah, I've always put a lot of pressure on myself. I, I, I'm sure a lot of people listening will be familiar with this, but always put a lot of pressure on myself with everything I do. So work and relationships, personal hobbies, everything. But 2019, I started to actually get help with overcoming the issues that had come up with bulimia. was starting to get quite bad in terms of the effect on my physical and mental health. 
it was something that it took a while for me to realize that there was even something wrong and that it was causing a lot of physical issues. Like I'd say that eating disorders in general, they can be really hard to pick up. Like you wouldn't necessarily be able to just look at someone and see that there's something wrong with them as with a lot of like mental health issues. But yeah, it took me quite a long time to actually come to a point where I was ready to get help with it. Also with realizing that it was having a big impact on my physical health it was also starting to impact my social life and and relationships with friends and family by the time I met my partner like I guess I'd been through the really kind of difficult part of recovery but it's definitely not something that you just kind of like go through this difficult part and then it's all uphill from there like you mentioned, it's not like you just, okay, I've gotten to a point where I need help with this. You go and get help and then it's done. It's an ongoing thing that you need to receive ongoing help for and you need to do work yourself. But then obviously when you're in a relationship, that's something that can impact your relationship as well. Was your eating disorder something that you thought about when it came to living defense life, you reached out for support in 2019. You had a support team. How does it work when you move to another location? How did you consider your eating disorder when it came time to move and all that comes with defense life? By the time my partner and I met, most of my disordered behaviors were under control. I was at a healthy weight. Mentally, I've been able to move past a lot of the unhappiness with my body image and and those kinds of things I was still seeing like a psychologist a dietitian a doctor about ongoing management and issues with my digestive system the damage that you do to your digestive system when you're dieting and doing these things as part of an eating disorder yeah they don't go away easily and it just takes time for your digestive system to recover on its own or with some assistance. I always knew that it would take a while for the digestive stuff to clear up but I thought I was in a good space mentally and physically just in terms of like you know being in a good weight and not like under eating and and that kind of thing but I didn't really expect that things like having a career crisis and moving and away from friends and family would cause enough stress to then lead to a relapse. So I had discussed relapse strategies with my psychologist and with my dietitian in Sydney, but I didn't think I would need them. Like I didn't think that anything that bad would happen, especially when I felt like I was confident with my body and I thought I had a good relationship with food and my body again. But eating disorders they're very sneaky and they manifest in different ways and they kind of just take advantage of vulnerability and stress and and feeling um, feelings of, of doubt. So I stopped seeing my psychologist and dietitian for a little bit and I thought I was like in a place and I didn't need to be spending that extra time and money on that extra help. After a few experiences with different GPs, I found someone that I felt I could trust and someone I I felt would really put the time and effort into helping me, especially with the digestive issues, because it is something that like not all GPs have 
encountered and not all GPs will have had like extensive or any training or education about. So it did take some time, but yeah, it's really important to have that central point who can refer you to different specialists. And also it's important to have that person in person. When I first stopped seeing my psychologist and dietitian, yeah, I thought that I was like, okay, that's it. I probably won't really need to reach out to them ever again. Like I've got everything that I need moving forward. Like I've got a strategy for relapse, which I don't think is going to happen. But then when it did happen um, at the start of this year, I knew that I could just get back in contact with them in the back of my mind. But then I also felt really ashamed and I felt like, oh, this isn't a good look having to go back and say I need help again. But then Similarly, engaging with new people, so finding a new psychologist, new dietitian, it is equally hard because that means you're going through the process of explaining your history again and doing all the paperwork and trying to figure out whether there's a, there's a good match because that's, that's really important. Like, I don't think it's never as simple as just like going to the first person. You just feel comfortable. There's definitely a bit of homework that you have to do. And then also being in a regional area, the options were limited. So at first I was told I wouldn't be able to see a psychologist in like six months. In the six month period, I'd probably be on a waiting list for at least six months. And luckily with the support of my partner and family I was encouraged to just reach out to my treatment team back in Sydney so I was very lucky that they both had capacity within the space of two or three weeks I was able to reconnect with them and now I'm continuing to see them now. Going forward is that something that you will keep in place so that it is easier when you move from place to place and that it might be the case that when you are in an area by yourself and your partner's away or he's on course or whatever it is and you're flying solo in order to make sure that it doesn't make it easier for you to relapse and no one know about it or unless you're pushing yourself to reconnect with your team, relapse could easily go on for longer than what usually would have because number one, if you went to a new area, you didn't have that support team in place. And like you said, you might have to go onto waiting list in the first place, you have to get yourself to go and access that support, but also there's no one in location that knows you well enough or is pushing you and saying, yeah, I actually think that I want to help you get some help sort of thing. So mm-hmm. how yeah. are you managing future posting locations? Are you going to just keep the same team in place or what are you sort of thinking with that? Yeah, well, I guess now that it's also easier to access services virtually and like a lot of those services with psychologists, dietitian, they're covered by Medicare. It just makes sense to continue seeing the same team wherever I go. Another thing that I've learned is that it's just really important to keep it up, even if I feel like everything's going perfectly and not having any problems because yeah things will always happen like I I don't think I'm always going to be struggling with an eating disorder or at least at the the kind of level that I am now there are always going to be times where like I'm more vulnerable to 
falling back into old habits and um, I might not kind of go into like full blown relapse mode, but there are always going to be times where I'm going to struggle with eating or exercise or whatever comes up, but just kind of knowing in the back of my mind that I do have that history and it helps to have that professional support and checking in even when I feel like things are going well is going to be really important. And then also just like accountability through a personal support network has been really useful recently. So just being away from friends and family has been a challenge in terms of just being transparent about what's going on with me. Like I tend to be the kind of person who doesn't say that when my parents ask me how I am, I don't want to worry them. So I tell them that everything's great, even when they're not. So I think being honest and transparent about about when things are not great is going to be really important so that there is that accountability to like go and seek support when I need it. Does the lack of control that we can sometimes feel when living defense life play into managing your eating disorder? Obviously, there's a lot of uncertainty. We don't have control over every aspect. We don't know what could be happening in even a couple of months time kind of thing. How does that play into it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The lack of control is a big factor. A lot of eating disorders arise from that need to be in control. So knowing that there is a lot of uncertainty is, yeah, makes me nervous because I know that uncertainty can kind of lead to relapse and trying to clean that control however I can. And then also knowing that I'm going to be moving a lot and there are going to be a lot of changes. Like I feel under a lot of pressure to like totally overcome my eating disorder so that it's just not a problem and I don't have to think about it anymore. But I know that this is quite unrealistic and the idea of totally overcoming something can kind of create more problems. As I said before, just having a plan to be able to manage changes and to be able to manage uncertainty is going to be really important moving forward and having support and professionally and personally as part of that plan will be really vital as well. Have you got any advice you might give to other defence partners or those even with an ADF child that might have an eating disorder or maybe they suspect that there's something going on with an eating disorder? Do you have any advice when it comes to seeking out support or managing it with Defence Life? Finding a team that you feel comfortable with, finding a GP, especially if you are just kind of starting to seek out support for this. Then it might not be an expert in eating disorders, but they are at least willing to understand how they can support you and how they can help you navigate things like getting the right treatment plan so that you get all the entitlement, all the psychological and dietetics care from there, getting good referrals to people who can help you and then just committing to seeing them on a regular basis. I've experienced a lot of issues around overcoming shame and guilt about not being able to cope and not being able to kind of just get over these things on my own. So went through a a lot of fighting myself to be like, okay, you just got to go, stop making excuses to not go, stop being too busy with work or whatever else. Like you've just got to make the time for it because yeah it becomes like a cloud that hangs over your head and and it's really hard like it gets to a point where it's just going to be too hard to to get out of that space so get the support that you need 
and understand what is going to help you commit to getting support, even when you feel like things are great and that you don't need that extra help. Moving from place to place as well, consider resources online. I know that like the Butterfly Foundation offers some like online groups and lots of resources on their website about eating disorders and body image. So definitely take advantage of those as well. What have you learnt so far from being a spouse? You've been through a career crisis, you're managing your eating disorder, you're juggling all these aspects of life, your partner's away at the moment, you've moved, you're going to move again soon. What have you learnt along the way? Oh, okay. So I think the biggest thing for me in the last six months or so has been uncertainty is always going to be there. No one is going to be able to like overcome uncertainties, like they're just inevitable. So having something that kind of guides your decision making, I know that I'm the kind of person shouldn't be given too many options. Otherwise, like that just overwhelms me. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people feel the same. Having kind of like a framework to help narrow down those options has been really helpful. And that framework for me has been really led by like my personal values and what I want to achieve as a human being on this earth. Really understanding that has helped me kind of get past decision fatigue and be at peace with uncertainties. So that's a big one. And then also looking after myself, learning the true value of looking after myself. There's been a big movement around like self-care, but I think this has kind of transcended that. Like it's at the point where I'm like, if I don't really get serious about building my career and life around being able to look after my health and mentally and physically, then the future just becomes scary and scarier when you're not like in a good space. Trying to lead decisions based around like, is this actually good for me and my health has been like a really important lesson as well. Absolutely a game changer. Well, thank you so much, Trish, for coming on the podcast and opening up about your eating disorder and also telling us about your spouse experience and all that you've been through on the journey in the last couple of years and how you're intending on moving forward in spouse life and defense life. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much for the opportunity to come on back. I really appreciate it. I so hope you were able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things, I would so appreciate it if you could pop into Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, a comment about what you would like to hear more of, or just some encouraging words. If you want to suggest a guest, I am always looking for new people to talk to. You can do that by jumping over to the website www.militarywife.com.au and clicking on our podcast page. I would love to hear from you. 